Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show episode. I don't even know what we're on. 520 something, Mr. Savage. Oh, Pegasus Huzzah. It's back again. It's it's Pegasus. That, that's what it is. I, I, I forget numbers. It doesn't matter. This is the Pegasus Day. We're so excited it's back. Everybody at the Racing News team is excited for this. One of the uh, more exciting racing days of the whole calendar, especially this early on. And we've got an all-graded stakes late pick five for you Saturday, January 27th at Gulfstream Park. And uh, Mr. Sandwich, it's going to be pretty fun. We've got some unfun things to talk about as well in horse racing. Let's save that for after the show because I'm excited to talk about all these races with you. Yeah, it's interesting to see. We'll get to that. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that at the end. We'll keep it positive here early before we go off on Naira. Uh, interesting to see how this race has evolved, right, through the years. So originally, the idea was 12 owners, $12 million, huge purse. Everybody, you know, buy your way into the race, have a massive race. We've seen that kind of tick down consistently. <laughs> and it's interesting because the field we end up here is, I mean, if you don't like National Treasure, it's absolutely wide open. Spoiler alert, I'm not a big National Treasure guy. So uh, to me, the, the, the Pegasus is absolutely wide open. And the early card is a lot of fun too. A lot of really good stakes races. Don't forget, we every now and then have phenomenal two or three-year-olds debut on this day as well. I think the last two years we've had horses that debuted that end up being talked about triple crown contenders. Maybe it was last Horse named Mage, you know, yeah. debuted Mage. on Pegasus well, the, Day. <laughs> but the, the like... I can't remember the horse's name for the life of me because he was such a uh, disappointment. But the Mott trainee that broke from the one post on the the uh, when I was there in the rain, hidden connection, yeah, who became probably the most hyped horse in horse racing for a good two month stretch there without ever winning a race. Uh, so you have some of these hidden scroll. That was it. It was hidden scroll. Thank you, Rob. Oh. Um, you have some of these horses that debut and like they they look like gangbusters, but we'll we'll see what we get in this this uh, this version of it. The second race specifically it looks like if there's any race that you have a horse come from that ends up in the Derby Trail, it's from that second race. Yeah, hidden scroll. That that hidden connection's a different. That's the other Mott horse. That's uh yeah, hidden scroll. That was oh boy. That was a that was a horse. That that was an inter interesting one. We're just completely. And I, you were there, like you said. You saw Mott, you said afterwards, I should have known because Mott was just dressed to the nines. And it's not because he had a horse in the Pegasus that day. It was because yeah, of Hidden Scroll. So at least he was dressed up for that occasion. But it, it we also, have a special occasion. Go ahead. It was also pouring rain that day. And Bill Mott, dressed to the nines, is just standing by the winner's circle before the race. Just He's like, yeah, I know. I know what's about to happen here. We're about to unleash something. And, and very much so, unleash something. And then was complete the, the, shit for the rest of his career. <laughs> the only time, the only time you ever did that in Hidden Scrolls' uh, career, but hey, it worked out for him when it mattered. Uh, yeah, Mage was the uh, Mage came out of the debuting that day too, and uh, a different year. Obviously, it was last year when he debuted. But uh, yeah, your Kentucky Derby winner from last year debuted Pegasus World Cup Day, and of course, you know there's seven stakes total. We're going to cover five of them in this sequence, but you've got the McKnight and the uh shit, what's the other one the la prevoyant they're both mile and a half turf races the marathon races that's in the middle of the card you've got a, a synthetic couple synthetic handicap races uh just the one maiden race and i know that vinnie blonde is super excited because his favorite loser of all time tacitus his full brother batten down which i think is a great name is uh is debuting in race two at gulfstream park i say it's a great name because the dam is close hatches batting down the hatches i thought that was a really good one so Flavio Pratt riding for Bill Mott. Maybe you see some more uh, specialty come out of that race. I don't know. 
I, uh, I I did not know that was the full brother, and I picked that one on top. So probably going to finish third. <laughs> he, well, yeah, you know, he, he is. Uh, hey, listen, Tacitus broke his maiden, and at some point, I think he won another race or two. But Maybe. yeah, we'll see what Maybe. batting down the hatches does. Uh, but we're not covering that race. We are covering races 9 through 13, ending in the Pegasus World Cup. Let's get into it, buddy. Ride it up. All right, first leg of the Pegasus Day Late Pick 5 on Saturday, January 27th. Race 9 is the inside information stakes. A field of 10 older fillies and mares sprinting seven furlongs on the dirt. Your defending champion, Mary Quite Contrary, is the 2-1 to one favorite, but plenty of ways to go. Where'd you go on top? Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to not use Mary Quite Contrary in this spot. I, I She is the defending champion, very good at the distance, 4 for 8 lifetime with 3 seconds. Loves Gulfstream Park, 7 for 9 with 2 seconds, so never not run first or second. I'm going to try and beat her here, though, just because I do think this is a pretty deep field. And she just she caught up what I think is a pretty weak group last year. Uh, and I don't think that this is nearly as weak of a group this year. I'm going to go to the three horse and tepid daydream on top here. Uh, this is going to be second out for Safi Joseph Jr. Uh, the horse looked really good first out. That was in the sugar swirl, the grade three, which is kind of, I guess, what we call the local prep for this. Uh, wasn't able to get past your winter spirit win, but really tried the entire time to grind her down. I think Indebted Daydream takes a step forward off that race. Second time in Safi's barn is going to be awfully tough here. So I'll put the three on top at five to two. I went five deep in here and she was the last one on. And I, I uh, respectfully disagree. I didn't think she looked great in the sugar swirl. I thought that she looked like she was gasping and gasping. And she got second because or within half a length because Spirit Wind was on the lead. And that's a five furlong horse that somehow, you know, she got enough of an early lead that she was able to hold on. And keep the win there. I did use her because it is Safi and because Tyler Gaffleone is going to ride back. Uh, this is a Philly too that back in, oh, she's a mayor now, but you know, before she was with Safi, she was with Gary Capuano at Laurel and Delaware Park and Colonial. And she was just beating up on those uh, horses she was facing in lots of stakes races. Much lesser competition, but just, you know, especially those last three races that she had, she's winning at six, she's winning at seven. Yeah, she looked very good. So I used her in here. I have a dollar ticket and it's only going to cost $80. So it's a $40 for 50 cents. So I'm pressing pretty hard in some spots. So I did use Intrepid Daydream, but I did put the favorite on top. She's defending champ. She's horse for course, horse for distance. You made my argument for me. So we'll just move on from those two. We have agreement on two others. You want to talk about the other Safi first? Uh, sure. I'll talk about the other Safi first. That's going to be the one horse Bluefield uh, on the inside here gets Flavian Pratt this time. Third off the layoff here was in the sugar swirl. I didn't get the cleanest of trip from the one post that day. Kind of wish we drew a different draw. Uh, I was like, wait a second. What are you talking? She's anyway, wide. Sorry. Not that's a I, I realized after I did it, what that motion meant. Sorry. She was, uh, she was about seven wide there. So it was one of those spots where you're like, okay, with a better trip, I think she gets, uh, has a much better chance to win here. Uh, interesting that you see Zaya's uh, come off this horse. Uh, Safi's leading rider. So it, I'm wondering kind of what's going on there. But the fact that you pick up Flavian Pratt, I think is a pretty big positive here. Uh, lost to Mary Quite Contrary, two back at Gulfstream. That was at seven. I think she's much better horse here at six. So I think this is the right distance for going to have to jump up third off the layoff here but this is an eight-year-old you kind of expect it's going to take a couple starts for her to get to her best so that last effort in the sugar swirl i thought was good enough to include her on here especially a six to one price i i expect that's going to float up too before pose i don't think she's going to get bet too heavily just because of the last 
Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, you know, it was a super wide. That's what I was doing this motion for in the sugar swirl and was up against it pace-wise. But with respect to, to Zayas and Camacho, it's such a major upgrade to Flavian Pratt, and that's what sold me on the one Bluefield. The other horse we agree on is the number 10, Olivia Darling, also coming out of the sugar swirl stakes. I thought that was a much better third than what Intrepid Daydream's second was. She was gaining very quickly uh, at the end. Again, was up against it pace-wise because Irad's brother, Jose, just went out gate to wire on Spirit Wind. Irad keeps the mount on Olivia Darling. Uh, the 10 post, she's going to come from out of it, so that doesn't bother me at all. So that's why I liked the 10. What about you? Yeah, I was between the 10 and the 3 for the top pick. Um, and, and the 10, okay. I thought I agree with you. That last race I thought was very good in the sugar swirl. Didn't really kick in until it was too late and was making up ground. Uh, with a better trip, I think she probably has a better finish. She was a little further back there than I expected in the sugar swirl. Uh, generally, you're going to see her a little bit more forwardly placed. I think that's what we're going to do from the 10 post here. I think you're going to see Olivia Darling sitting in that, we'll call it third, four spot, somewhere right in there in this 10-horse field and be able to get a clean trip from the outside. Shouldn't have to give up too much ground either. Like when you're in these outside posts, sometimes you don't want to be like a dead closer because you end up six, seven wide. She should be in one of those spots where she only has to give up one or two paths around the far turn and hopefully uh, takes the lead with about an eighth of a furlong to go and or eighth of, yeah, about an eighth of a mile to go and uh, and is able to hold them off. Now, I could understand if, if you wanted it with those three, four horses that we've talked about, if that's where you want to stop. I'm going to use a long shot in here, who I think is is very sneaking. If I can get 12 to 1 on the number two, two-item saver, I'm going to be very excited, uh, at least until they race. If she ends up not running well, then I guess I'm not that excited. She was 12 to 1 for a reason. But if you look at her career, she's very lightly raced, five starts. She has three wins. So scratch out the debut. It was with Dallas Stewart, 37 to 1. She wasn't expected to win. And lost to Hoosier Philly, who uh, Shotty's in the chat. Shotty, can you tell us if Hoosier Philly did uh, anything else as a two-year-old? I know her three-year-old season was pretty mad, but yeah, Hoosier Philly pretty dominant as a two-year-old. Uh, but then switches to the Correa's bar and takes a, almost misses a whole year and then breaks the maiden very impressively going six furlongs. Stretches up to seven furlongs at Keeneland in a $110,000 allowance in the fall meet. And it's a four-horse field. She won by 13 and a half lengths. I don't care that it was a four-horse field. It was straight allowance runners at Keeneland in the fall meet, and she dusted them at this distance. They tried stretching her out. That was a mistake. Correas brings her back to a, a six and a half furlongs, and she wins that one. So I've got a filly that in three sprints for this trainer, all wins. Two of those were six and a half or seven furlongs, so this distance shouldn't be an issue. And now I've got Junior Alvarado riding, and I know that from a speed figure standpoint, she needs to take a good step forward, even from that Keeneland race. That's her best time form number. She's a big step forward to compete with the biggest horses in here. But Alvarado is known for popping big wins on Pegasus Day. Art Collector, Speaker's Corner, Happy Boy Rocket. That's just in the last two years. He was on Hidden Scroll, uh, I believe, back when Hidden Scroll won too. So uh, I like that Alvarado's riding. I like Alvarado on a closer, uh, especially on dirt. So I used the two two-item saver. She didn't make her take it, obviously. What, what was kind of the deciding factor for you here? So I had two prices that I, that I left off the ticket here, um, and two-item saver was one of the two. Uh, I, I agree with everything you said. Look, this is a, a lightly raced horse who has a chance to take a big-time step forward. I don't think this is a group of world beaters, so there is a world where she takes the step forward and is able to beat them here. Uh, Corrales, when he trains... He doesn't overplace horses generally, so I thought it was an interesting note that she shows up here and that this is where we decide to to take on, I guess we'll call them the older horses, since she's one of the only two four-year-olds in this spot. <laughs> Should get a pretty good trip. Uh, to me, it was just, I'm a little concerned about the step up. It's why I stopped at three instead of going five deep. The other price I thought about using, and I'm not sure if you use this one, was Sassy Nature the Seven. Is that the last horse on your ticket? No, no, no. I've used all of mine. Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, I, I sassy nature is the other price that I thought about using here, and this is one of those where you kind of look at this horse's career and and what it's gone through. You've got those early races with Luis Mendez, who we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast. Very good with younger horses, especially earlier in their career. That's where she breaks the maiden, switches over to Sisterson, two for two in the Sisterson barn. Now those were both over turf. Then switches over back to Mendez. He he uh, campaigns her for a while. Then goes to Doug O'Neill. Now we're back in the Sisterson barn. I expect this horse to be a, a serious pace presence. I'm not sure that the six furlongs on the dirt is the right necessarily necessarily the correct distance and and uh, surface that she wants. But man, like she could be that horse that steals this going gate to wire as someone who you're like, well, yeah, no, that makes total logical sense. You could have used that 15 to one shot. And and with this field without anyone else, so I'm like, yeah, that horse is 100 percent going. I think Sassy Nature's got a shot to go gate to wire 15 to one. Yeah, I didn't use, but Kevin brings up the Jack Sisterson 32% turf to dirt. I just, her dirt efforts were really kind of blah to me. I, it, she was beating up on Calbreds at Santa Anita, like in, where she was supposed to kind of do that. Um, this is a tough spot. I, I know I appreciate Sisterson taking a shot, and she is a potential gate-to-wire threat, but I just don't see her at seven furlongs on dirt handling this. It's it's a lot harder to last seven furlongs on the dirt than it is on turf, which is what she's uh, much, much more used to recently. So uh, not on that one. Let's go real quick before we get out of here. Sean Nesbitt and Mark Elliott, like within seconds of each other, we're talking about gerrymander. Uh, Mike, I'm not using gerrymander because why? Like her one win in the last like century was a grade three off turf race against one other horse that she beat by 25 lengths, but she was uh, she got caught at a mile at Saratoga to Nostalgic. She got caught at a mile to 63 Caliber, who I own. Not a big impressive thing for 63 Caliber to come and catch you. She got caught at a mile. Like, the shortening up to seven furlongs, I don't see how that's going to suddenly make her better. I think that she just kind of runs in place. She'll probably hit the board, get third, beaten five or six lengths, and we'll go, yeah, that's that's the gerrymander we've seen for three years now. Yeah, that's the that's the problem. Is that like you go look through a form and you're like, oh, this you can't point to a race and be like, that's the race that's going to really be able to beat them, right? And they she'd been running a mile in New York and doing just fine there in like NX three company, but you get her up into the states level and it's just it's not very impressive. You have two races at seven furlongs. She missed the board at both of those. To me, that like this is just a horse that I think the barn thinks she's a little better than she actually is, or maybe she's a little bit better in the morning and just too good to put into the you know the super high end claiming ranks, but not good enough to necessarily be able to win when you jump into the graded stakes level. And she's used her conditions, and so it's it's a really tough horse to place at this point because she's got four wins. You can't put her in N three X, so you really op- optional claiming now is your only choice. And those are very very tough races when they're open company optional claimers, especially for the eighty k hundred k that you want to be running her for. So I get why you end up in this spot. I just don't really see a path to victory for her. Like, she can't get the lead. Sassy Nature's faster than her. She doesn't really have a closing kick where you're like, well, if she gets by Sassy Nature, she's going to run away from him. Probably won't. Like, she's not that fast when that happens. So I, to me, this is just a horse that's kind of caught in the middle in a bunch of different regards, both in her career as well as in this race. One other thing, uh, and, and Mark brings up a good point too, Chad Brown. It's a Chad Brown dirt horse on a big day, uh, uh, unless it's Goodnight Olive. Like, yeah. <laughs> Not touching that one, uh, but this is a Clarevich Stables-owned horse. She's raced 15 times since June of 2021. She's never had first call. Chad's first call Clarevich jockey on her once. Irad has never touched this horse in the afternoon. I'm like, okay, if Irad doesn't deem it good enough for him to ride this horse, it's that's a big red flag to me. And before we move on, Mark, uh, I did notice. Rosario was on Hidden Scroll. Thank you for that correction. I, I'm used to thinking Junior Alvarado and Bill Mott, but 
Mott does, as we'll talk about with another horse later, Mott does like to use other jockeys on some of his bigger horses. Yeah, and back to gerrymander. It's it's not like she wasn't in the same spots that I read Ortiz Jr. was either, right? I mean, multiple races at Saratoga, Belmont, when when he was there, and you see Dylan Davis and Joel Rosario up. Like It kind of tips your hand on where they feel like the horse is, and so you kind of have to respect it. I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Jose Ortiz and Chad Brown win this race, but I'm not... She's eight to one in the morning line. She probably goes off somewhere around five, six to one because these connections always take money. And I just, I'm, I've been an anti Chad Brown dirt guy for a while. He's not been good on the turf, synthetic, or dirt in this golf streaming so far. So the last thing I want to do is take a what I think is going to be an undervalued price on a horse that I'm, I'm not all that scared of. All right, we'll move on. The second leg of the late pick five, Saturday, January 27th at Gulfstream Park. Race 10 is the Pegasus World Cup Philly and Mare turf. This is a grade two race now. For 12 uh, older fillies going a mile and a 16th on the turf course, where'd you go on top? I'm surprised you're not using the horse. I'm going to go with the four-star fortress on top. Uh, it's your favorite in this race, so not getting uh, all that creative here. It was absolutely phenomenal at Churchill Downs. First time out for Cherie DeVoe. Uh, Saez rode that day. Saez picks them out back up here. She just looked like a, a beast when she was running in that one. Ended up winning by 10 lengths and absolutely opening up on the field. That day we were going a mile and eighth. Today we're going a mile and sixteenth. So cutting back a little bit. Don't absolutely love the uh, running style, but I do think she is the most talented horse that we're going to see in this field. So I put the four on top in the spot. So here's why I don't like this horse. She's got exactly one race in her entire form that you can point to and says that she's a player here. And it came on a shitty Churchill Downs turf course on Thanksgiving weekend when every single good female turf horse in this country is either done after the Breeders' Cup or they're over at Del Mar. And if you need further proof of that, Look at who she beat in there. Yeah, she beat him by 10 lengths. She beat a bunch of claimers by 10 lengths in a grade three on an absolutely shitty turf course. And on top of that, she's never run just a mile on the 16th. It's a mile and an eighth, a mile and a half, a mile and a quarter. This is not the right spot for her. She should be in the Pegasus turf. Now, she'd probably get killed in the Pegasus turf, but she should be over there if she's good at longer distances or in the La Prevoyant, which is the mile and a half race earlier on the card. But she got invited to this spot. The trainer and the connections would be quite dumb to pass up on that for this Philly or for this mayor. But for, I looked at that race and I was like, okay, she beat a bunch of nothing. She beat five nothings on a trash turf course. And now you're expecting her to come here when there's a horse, my top pick, Didia, that if you scratch off her Breeders' Cup try when she was just in over her head, she fits this race like a star. And I my argument is be six to one is way too high on her. She won nine of her first 10 turf starts and lost a grade one New York race by just three quarters of a length. That is leaps and bounds better than these five trash horses that she beat that Star Fortress beat on a trash turf course at Churchill Downs. Well, you're just taking out your your hatred for CDI's turf course on Star Fortress here. I see how it is. Uh, I, look, I have Diddy a second. I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I'm using Diddy as well. The one thing that you were incorrect about is that she's six to one. She's going to be your favorite or close to favorite when they break from the gate in this race. I mean, I, I'm guessing three I, to I've, one. I've seen a lot of love for Star Fortress, which I, I'm excited about because I don't want to play her, but you could I, be right. I've, I've seen a lot of love for Didia. I, I was expecting Didia to get a, get hammered in this spot. I know a lot of people who cashed on this horse too at, at uh, what was it? Was it uh, Derby Day? I think it was. Um, that yep. absolutely loved her as well. So I, I would be surprised if she doesn't get bet down from this because everything you said about her is absolutely correct. Look, if you scratch out the Breeders' Cup effort where she was in overhead, and by the way, she still ran well. I mean, she only lost by four lengths. Yeah, she was 10th, but she wasn't that far off uh, that day. 
there's really nothing you can you can knock on her. She's improving. This is a horse that's gotten better in almost every single one of her starts. You have no issues from a distance perspective. She's three for three going the mile on the 16th, which is what I know one of your concerns around the four. So she makes a ton of sense. The price is what's going to be really interesting here. I mean, I, I, I figured she was going to go off favorite or close to it with the four, and that they would be basically be co-favorites in this spot. And you did use her. She is on your ticket. So it's not that I'm trying to, not that I was saying you were wrong for using Star Fortress because of Didia. You, you are using Didia as well. Uh, the price will be interesting. So will the price be interesting on the number seven Fluffy Socks, who's my second choice in here. And I really, when I saw this field, I was like, oh boy, I'm going to beat Fluffy Socks at nine to two. And then I dove into this and I was like, shit, that grade one matriarch last out for, for Fluffy Socks. That was really good. She had a super wide run in the far turn. And her stablemate that just beat her by a head, surge capacity, just sat on the rail, sat on the rail. And you know that shoot at Del Mar, as soon as the rail disappears and the shoot's there and it opens up, surge capacity literally just surged right through that spot. Fluffy Socks, I don't think saw her until it was way too late. And it, so Fluffy Socks loves to break hearts, right? You look through her, her field here, she gets second nine times on 22 career starts with mm -hmm. just five wins, but... This, to me, looks like the type of field that she is capable of beating, and this is where Irad Ortiz Jr. is going to stay. He does love to ride this horse quite often, so I'll take Irad on Fluffy Socks, and if Diddy is going to take money down from 6-1, to one, maybe Fluffy Socks holds it 9-2 to two or gets better than that? Maybe. I mean, I, look, I, I looked at this horse long and hard. I, I don't get Fluffy Socks right. I had this horse last time. Same. It was just wildly frustrating that Fluffy Socks lost that race. Um, and, and my biggest concern here with her is you've mentioned it. I mean, she just doesn't like to win. I mean, she's won for her last 11 with six seconds, right? And that's that's brutal as someone who likes to bet these type of horses. And yeah, she had a nice run early in her career, but that was before she moved up into the stakes levels. And, and she wasn't winning races at that point that were like, oh, yeah, no, we need to point that one out now. Last year, she did run five times, one win, two seconds, one third. So she's always going to be there. She's someone like you have to use if you're playing tries, if you're in the exotic type world. But I don't trust that Fluffy Sox is going to be able to get it done in this spot. And like I said, I, I I was between the seven and the 11 for fourth. So it's not like I completely think there's no chance here. It's just <laughs> nine to two. Not no thanks. I went to the I went to the eight queen goddess who won this race last year um, and sat kind of the perfect trip to win this race. And the, I think is going to get a very similar trip in this spot. You want to have some speed on the Gulfstream Park turf course. You don't necessarily want to be in the lead. Um, it's nice when you go gate to wire, but you kind of need to have no pressure if you're going to be able to do so. And, and Queen Goddess should sit that perfect trip, sitting in second, sitting in third, just like she did last year. She was in fourth last year early, third at the half-mile point, able to get it done over Shantasara, who got a brutal trip. I freaking bet that horse last year. Um, and she, Shantasara actually went out the favorite in that race, too. I was still shocked. But Queen Goddess has not been as solid since that race. Now she's getting back to a course she really likes, back to a distance that she really likes. She was trying grade two and grade one mile efforts last two, not really her her cup of tea. I think that we're going to see a better effort here from uh, from Queen Goddess and, and revert back to kind of what the form that we saw at Gulfstream Park last year. Yeah, I'm going to pass on, I, I am passing on Queen Goddess because she is out of form and, and I have not liked the races that she had. Since. Also, if you look at the field that she beat, in last year's race and compare it to this one, I don't think it's that close. The favorite today was actually Wakanaka, who, it, no, I've never liked Wakanaka. The one time I did like her was her last career race and she was so bad they retired her after it. Uh, Delica was in that race. She was fourth. Shantasara just did Shantasara things and, and get, you know frustrate the hell out of you <laughs> like when every time you want to play her. Uh, I'm going to pass on Queen Goddess in this spot. I just, there's, there's nothing about it that really excites me. And other than the fact that she's six to one, so I'm hoping that she can 
you know, keep that, take a lot of money. And also, like the matriarch, she's a California horse. Fluffy Sox surge capacity came in there beat the hell out of her like she had nothing for them in that spot so i think at age six this might be her last start and then she goes off to be a mama and a, you know a, a very solid career uh almost nine hundred thousand dollars earned uh next up for me I, i've seen people talking about it ed burke my fellow uh my fellow michigander the 11 mission of joy this one's exciting eight of her nine turf starts i thought have been very competitive including last out she was third beaten one length in the qe2 cup a grade one race at keeneland won by Maj, who just missed winning the Breeders' Cup mile out of that spot. Uh, two back, she lost to my top pick in race six on this same card, that being Alpha Bella. So I, I really think Mission of Joy at 10 to 1 will be forgotten about. And it's just, a, to me, it feels like a classic grand motion horse where it's like, you know she's going to show up. She's going to give you that good effort. As long as Johnny V doesn't try to put her on the lead like Tyler tried in the Belmont Oaks, that didn't work out too well for her. But you scratch that race out. She's got so many competitive races here, uh, including four victories that uh, I think really make her uh, an outside chance. The biggest concern, I think, for me with Mission of Joy is the post. But she, if you look at where she likes to run, it can be mid-pack. It can be off a little bit. So I'm going to trust that Johnny V puts her in the right spot. Yeah, I, I, my biggest issue with Mission of Joy is that the number she got in the QE2. Like, I, I just... Anytime you have one of these horses that runs, what was that? Almost almost ten points higher from a career buyer perspective, you got to wonder, okay, what stepped her up? And then you see that's also her only effort over a good turf. So I don't know how much that good turf helped her out to be able to step up from a from a numbers perspective in that race. I, this is again, like I said, I was I was looking at the seven, I was looking at the eleven, looked a little at the six. Those are the three horses that that were going back and forth for me on and off the ticket. And in this case, the eleven ended up off of it because of a the, the fact that that last race was such a standout and I, I'm not sure she's able to replicate it, especially since we're not over a good turf and be the post. Uh, she seems to be a horse that does her best running when she's forwardly placed or at least in the mix early and breaking from the 11 post. When you're going this distance, the mile of 16th at Gulfstream is just not a great place to be. If you want to be forwardly placed at all, unless you're going to be on the lead. Right. Yeah. A couple of scratches would uh, definitely make her more enticing, but the post is concerning. Last one for me, and then Dennis will talk about uh, that horse you want to mention. Uh, number two, Chili Flag. Chad Brown, Flavian Pratt, 20 to 1 on the turf. Hell yeah, I'll take this one. Uh, her two best races since she came to America from France were at this distance, including winning her stakes debut last time out at Aqueduct. Now, it was Aqueduct in the fall, uh, you know, not a lot in the middle of November. So, like I just said with Star Fortress, the good horses weren't there. But she's 20 to 1 here, and I'm getting Flavian Pratt. And She's never missed the board in any of her uh, North American turf starts. She's been very competitive, very close. And unlike the 11, who they also like to be forwardly placed, she's got a post too. So she has a much better post uh, than the 11 Mission of Joy does here. So I'm going to use a chili flag at 20 to 1. And I know you're going to say, I'm not going to talk about a 20 to 1 shot. No, I won't. I mean, uh, <laughs> hopefully you're using Sister Luann too then, since they were only ahead apart, three back at Saratoga. Um, but no, I, I look... Like you said, it's Chad Brown, Slavian Price, 20 to 1. If you like her, you like her. If she's not for me. Uh, Dennis is talking about the 20 to 1, 12 post horse. Uh, surprisingly, uh, first time out for Todd Pletcher. She was bought by the commissioner of horse racing last November for a million dollars. And Todd Pletcher thought she had such a great chance that he signed up a Shane Murphy to ride yeah. this horse. Well, uh, no Irad, no Tyler, no Javier, no John, no Jose, no Paco, no Edgar Zayas. We're going to roll with Shane Murphy. No shot at Shane Murphy, but it's Shane Murphy riding for Todd Pletcher. It's This isn't something that you go, yeah, that's winning connections right there. 
I will say he had the uh, worst ride so far early this year. Uh, worst ride ever. Saturday. I think it was Saturday. Two horse race number two or three at Gulfstream. Maybe it was four. I can't remember. It was early in the Gulfstream card on the two horse where it absolutely should have won. Just an atrocious ride from O'Shane Murphy. Um, yeah, no thanks. No, I mean, again, this is a horse that needs to take a big time step forward and is doing it from a bad post. Like, I would much rather take a shot on someone like the two who's trying to do it from a bad post or doing it from a good post uh, with the connections. And, you know, the connections are fine with the 12. Like, you know, O'Shane Murphy, he's a professional jockey. It's not like it's. You'd rather have someone else, but it's not like it's the worst ever. I, did you look at the six Ruby Nell at all? I mean, that's the other horse that feels like if if you have a Gates Rio horse, it's it's Ruby Nell who does it. Um, coming in here for Mandela, you get the Tory up. Uh, the matriarch, when you watch it, like didn't make the lead. The race was over for it as soon as that happened. Uh, not sure where else the pace comes from if it's not Ruby Nell in this spot. I considered her, but and it's there's also the factor of Mandela shipping out of California, which he never does. Kevin was asking about stats. I remember that that was it. The only two times he's ever shipped to Mammoth, he won the Haskell both times. So yeah, he's, he he's doesn't ship out Mammoth. of he doesn't ship out of California very often. And as co former owners of Tis a Magician, where the races were hard to find that fit him, it was a little frustrating at times. Like just send the damn horse out of state once in a while, and he'll actually still be able to run in some good races for him. Uh, but this one, it's like you look at the the Delmar Oaks was really kind of the deciding factor for me for Ruby Nell when she had everything her own way. She had a four length lead at one point on those horses and she faded so badly that she was four beaten four and a half length. Anaset won that race. Anaset's an awesome filly. Be Your Best was second. Impact Warrior was third. No, that's that doesn't excite me at all that she hit that mile marker. <laughs> in the Delmar Oaks and went, and went backwards. The matriarch, I won't hold against her because she didn't get to the lead. Maldonado just decided to let her walk out of the gate like he was flow on Nash. Uh, so that didn't work out for her. But yeah, it's she beats up on the California horse. She's a fantastic California horse. This is a much better field than what she's faced in the past, uh, other than the matriarch. And again, we, with the matriarch, I love fluffy socks out of that. Yeah, I mean, the the... Doc's bringing up the three. This is going to be your other speed, accomplished girl who's yeah. trying coming out of sprints. And so the question is really, does accomplished girl well, how how much of a pace pressure do we have? How big does this get pushed? Right. You look at that last race for accomplished girl went a mile over the Gulfstream Park turf. They went forty eight to the half. She's not in the lead. You look at Ruby Nell. I mean, she'll go forty five to the half. And the one thing I'd say about Ruby Nell is mile and an eighth at, at Del Mar is very different than a mile and a 16th at Gulfstream. I realize it's, it's only an eight, a 16th of a mile different, but Gulfstream much more likely to produce a gate to wire winner going a mile and 16th than you are a mile and an eighth at, at Del Mar. I wouldn't be shocked if she is around very, very late. She may not win the race, but she's going to scare some people who don't have her on the ticket, if nothing else. Yeah. And you got Frankie Dettori riding in the, you know, one of the best turf jockeys of, of our lifetime. So he's got that going for her as well, but just, yeah, not for us in this spot. We will move on. Third leg of the late pick five Saturday, January 27th at Gulfstream Park. Race 11 It's the Fred Hooper Stakes, one of my favorites on this card. It's right there Ooh, with wow. the two Pegasus races. I love this one. Uh, we got a field of ten, uh, sorry, 12 older males going, of course, a one-turn mile on the dirt here. Almost had a single, didn't quite do it, but where are you going on top? I This is a, just a wildly interesting race. Um, I, I'm going to go four deep here. I'm going to use... Three prices and then one horse that's not. That's pretty logical. Uh, give me Tumba Rumba, the 11 on top here. Saez takes them out for Brian Lynch. Horse is cutting back to seven furlongs, but one for one career at seven furlongs. So like that is a positive. Brian Lynch, by the way, absolutely on fire right now at Gulfstream. 12 for 34 so far in the meet. 35% winners. That's pretty darn good. So horse that kind of turned a corner 
uh, midway through last year. So it was on turf back-to-back times uh, early in 2023. Hits the dirt uh, in, uh, in April at Keeneland 2023. Goes back-to-back with wins. Then jumps up to stakes company first time. Has a little bit of a bounce. But the three races after that, absolutely phenomenal. I think this is a horse that has tactical speed. You get Luis Saez, who's a great rider for tactical speed. We're going one turn, seven furlong. Should be forwardly placed, so I'm not thinking we're eight, nine wide trying coming home. And has a kick coming out of longer races as well. Uh, I love me the price here as well. Eight to one. So give me Tumba Rumba on top in this spot. Yeah, I, at one point I did consider it. And yeah, Mark, the Marks. And I mean that by capital M marks, not lowercase. You're a bunch of marks. They do love the 11 as well. So you've got them on your side. Doc, I knew I would have bet $1,000 that you were going to say that. We'll talk about that mule in a second. Topic for me, going to the rail, Hijazi, 8 to 5. Uh, I could tell Rodney's not watching this live because we would have heard this horse's name about 18 times by now. But if you remember, after he broke his maiden... On this very show, I came on and said, this is a $3.5 million sprinter. I don't think he's going to do his best work at two turns. Look at his form. He is a best at a one-turn race, and this is a one-turn race. A very respectable second to Speedboat Beach in the Grade 1 Malibu last time out. Race prior to that was Breeders' Cup Friday undercard. Absolutely dominated off a 210-day layoff. Uh, the race before that in the seven furlong stakes at Keeneland lost to Corona Bolt at the time. Corona Bolt was a very strong sprinter, so nothing to shake your head at with that. He drew the rail, and we get Flavian Mother effing Pratt aboard for the first time. It, I mean, you know how excited I get about this, right? Swing, swing, pole, pole, Hijazi. I don't hate it. I'm using a Jazzy too. I like and it's logical. Yeah, you get why you want to use a Jazzy here. The horse should be your leader out of the gate from the position. I don't love the fact that the two expressmen drew right to the outside of Hijazi. It's one of those spots where Expressman decides to go crazy and go nuts for the lead. It's a really bad spot for Hijazi then because you got to let the two cross over. Then the one's kind of got to come out and make his own trip there. So we'll see what happens there uh, with the the early part of this race. But I think it would be better for Hijazi if they draw him like the four post or somewhere. We have a little bit more room to maneuver. Uh, but like I said, I included the one. think it makes sense. Uh, for me, number three on the ticket, give me the 12 signator all the way on the outside. Uh, this is a horse that's been running at longer distances, but did win in a one-turn mile at Backwooduck uh, to break the maiden that day. Has run against some pretty good horses since then. I thought the races two and three back, both very good. Jumps up into Stakes Company last time out. That was at a mile and an eighth. Was your favorite. Ended up running fourth, uh, but was only a half length back. It was basically a blanket finish with four horses in that spot. Taking another step up here. But this is one where I don't think going the one turn is really big of an issue. And I do think you're going to have quite a bit of pace early in this race. So it does set up for someone to be able to make a big run late. I think Signator could be that horse. And I, I don't mind the outside draw when I know we're just going to tip back. And we're going to sit, you know, 10th, 11th, somewhere like that and make one big run down the stretch. Uh, so I'll take a price here uh, and take Signator on the cutback 15 to 1. And this is the horse that is the reason why I did not single Hijazi. I love it. Two wins at one turn dirt miles, one two straight last fall, just missed in the nine furlong dirt route stakes, and you love it. You said it. The cutback, I think, is going to be perfect for him. You cannot overlook the magic Javier Castellano can cast on some big race days. He has been on fire with the big race performances. So, Signator is the other horse I used in here too deep, but Mark loves it. Philip loves it. I, Pedro loves it. I love it. You love it. Who else do you love in this race? Man, I wonder what the price is going to be here. I mean, if everyone's on it, you got a 15 to 1 probably pipe dream. I am going to a horse that I absolutely hate uh, as my fourth horse on. I'm going to go to the four horse, Cyclone Mischief here. Uh, Dale Romans, 
into mischief. What could go wrong here? Um, look, Cyclone Mischief is a horse that has had tactical speed throughout his career, was in that kind of discussion for uh, a horse that people thought could be a Kentucky Derby horse. I thought his Fountain of Youth was actually a pretty good race. We saw Forte come out of that. Um, I thought his Florida Derby was a pretty good race. Ends up running third there to Forte and Mage. I, I think this is a logical spot back for Cyclone Mischief going seven furlongs. I think this horse is good at one turn, is going to have some late kick, but we know has the early speed as well. And you're getting 12 to one. So for me, it's one of those spots where like what horses could could benefit from the pace falling apart. And to me, Cyclone Mischief and Signator are two of those horses. Oh, boy. Well, OK, I will say this. This is not the worst thing that you could have said was your last horse you were using in here. And it's ironic that Doc is making fun of you when Doc is the one trying to hype up Gilmore. Why? Why ever, ever would you look at Gilmore? At first, when I looked, I was like, yeah, Gilmore. And then I remembered it's Gilmore. He leaves himself with way too much to do. He loves to run up and hit the board. This is not, this is a pick five, Doc. We're not trying to get second in a contest here. That's just terrible, terrible play. The one race that he's got you could point to off turf, three to five at Saratoga, and he's still almost lost. Like that, that should have been the race where he wins and you go, hey, that's the horse I've been betting every single start for the last eight starts and finally got the job done. No, he just, he looked like Gilmore. He's Gilmore. He's going to do Gilmore things. Nope. No, no, no. Well, at least the price is right. At least you're getting 50. Sure, you have a better horse yeah. in the long shot than that, yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't disagree. I don't love Gilmore here. I like Gilmore after the Woody Stevens. Uh, or, I'm sorry, after the Pat Day Mile, but then wasn't able to do anything in the Woody Stevens and then looked awful in the Amsterdam. And I'm like, all right, I'm out. I'm done. Like This is, this is a horse that's going to run third a lot, but maybe not win very many races. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Gilmore's got a good shot at the try. Maybe a nice little super filler, uh, but it's tough for me to, to get to that horse on top. Did you look at Express Man at all? Like This, to me, was a little one of, those, one of the wild cards that I couldn't really figure out. Uh, I, yeah, I think maybe because I couldn't figure, I, I was trying to figure out how he wins. If it's gate to wire, if that's the only way this horse could win, which is the only way he has won. No, Hijazi's right there. If, even if Hijazi is not on the lead right away, Pratt is going to have that horse right on express man's ass and he's going to catch him and beat him. He might not win the race, but he will absolutely finish ahead of express man if express man gets to the lead first. I guess the other one that I think we at least talk about is a creative, uh, a creative. I'm sorry. Uh, yep. Who for Brown eight to one or five to one? You got Ortiz up. This is the other horse I know a lot of people are going to talk about or going to be using. I kind of struggle with the exact same question that you just have for Expressman with a creative. Like the world where Expressman wins is that he clears the Jazzy and somehow goes gate to wire. I have no idea how a creative wins this race. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I left him off. I, I look at a creative usually as like, you know, takeout in these big spots. You look at the Vosberg. He got second. Cody's wish beat him. And then the grade 249er, I thought, was like, okay, if you were that close to Cody's wish, and that was win. his final race before the dirt mile, you should have won the 49er, and you dicked around and dicked around, and ever so mischievous, and Dr. Ardito both beat you. Like, no, that's that was your chance, and you failed. Yeah, it's hard to me to jump back in <laughs> at five to one, especially when we're talking about 15 to one shots that we're interested in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Especially a five to one. If he was long shots, which he's never been longer than five to one ever. Um, yeah, I wouldn't touch him. Giant game is going. That's the other deal. Roman's horse and it's kind of also why I didn't love Cyclone Mischief. Martin Garcia is Roman's go to guy down here in Florida. 
uh, and for a lot of horses. He chose Giant Game, which makes sense. He did win Gate to Wire in the Grade 3 Cornhusker. He beat a great horse in Ain't Life Grand and also Skippy Longstocking, who's in the Pegasus World Cup. But he's not going to win if he goes to the front. And Martin Garcia thought that that horse had a better chance than Cyclone Mischief, who he's been aboard before, was aboard last time out. So I, I'll pass on both of those horses. But it's also, I don't like to trust Dale Romans ever. But at least you're getting a price. Dale Romans... As the five to two favorite in that allowance race, that was when you go, no, 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 not touching you. Dennington's going to beat you in this spot instead. So at least you're getting a price on Cyclo Mischief. So Rodney's ent entered the chat. Now we, I we saw were that. Probably, we were probably <laughs> expecting this take. What do you think this pick three pays? Uh, Hajazi's even money, right? Six to five. Even yeah. Money. Yeah. Warm Heart is four to five, three to five. Yeah, I, I guess like two sixty for for fifty cents. So you're saying five to one? That's yeah, probably about fair. I, I don't. I, the last race I think is going to be uh, awfully interesting with what the the betting aspect of it is. It's, I mean, if you don't like National Treasure, then it's a wide open race. I mean, there's really not a ton of horses you can get overly excited about in the Pegasus World Cup. Yeah, I, I agree also with Aaron. It's a pretty trashy group outside of the one and twelve. So if the one and twelve both find a way to lose this race. I, I'm no longer a fan of the Fred Hooper. <laughs> that's that's Maybe. what I'll say. Tumba Wumba. We're going to be tub thumping all the way to the to the victory. Uh, but Aaron and uh, and Osen are both saying uh, at, at $8 is what. I don't know if it's 8 for 50 cents or 8 for a buck. But either way, it's it's close. Either 4 to 1 or 8 to 1. So, yeah, around that range. We got two races left, buddy. Two Pegasus Grade 1 races. First is race 12. The penultimate race on Pegasus World Cup Day. It's the Pegasus World Cup Turf. Grade one race for 12 older males. Well, I should say 12 older horses going a mile in an eighth because you're a nine to five favorite. The horse we are both singling and that I know Aaron Halterman loves as much as we do. Warm Heart is in here. She gets a five pound break because she's a filly facing the boys. It, to me, Mike, and I'll throw it back to you. If she just brings anything like her last three efforts, when she, including when she almost won at the Breeders' Cup, they're all running for second and it's not even really a question. Yep. <laughs> like that's yep. pretty much the response here uh let's just talk about the breeders cup race she attended a pace which was very hot chasing down an italian who is the fastest of the fast that we've seen from a, a philly perspective onto the turf she is chasing that horse the entire way and then almost holds off inspro who's like a all-time horse that we're talking about here like that effort alone when you look at the rest of these you're like okay now i'll make a case for a tone no, I will not. Now, like, you just go through the list. It's like no one even – I don't – there is not a way to beat her if she runs back too close to that because she will be close to the pace. You can't even be like, well, she's going to get a bad trip. She's coming from last. Nope, she's not. She's going to be coming from that first flight. So you're not going to – after tracing an Italian, you're not going to wear her out early by going super fast because guess what? She did that, and she still outran everybody else. Uh, this is a, a tough race to get around Get around warm heart in my mind. I Like – I looked at a couple in here. I'm a little interested in the in, uh, in integration, the three horse who is two for two at the distance, a younger horse trying to take a step up. But do we really think that this is that that horse is going to be able to beat Cheryl's spite? A uh, little interest in the eight here masterpiece, a little interest in Kings Max. But again, I like I'm calling out the three to one shot, the eight to one shot, the 12 to one shot. Like I'm not calling out 20 to one shots against a horse I think is going to go off at three or four to five. So I, to me, I'm just going to go ahead and single and move along. Uh, I see Michael Olsen's back in the chat. Every time Michael Olsen chirps something from down below, this is what I think of. Hello. Odie Hush. Odie Hush. 
Stay in your corner. Uh, King Max is actually my second pick in here. If I was going to take a horse to the long shot or to add with Warm Heart, it would be King Max in here. I did. He had two wins to start his career in America. Scratch out synthetic because the trainer said we didn't know if he'd like it. And turns out he didn't like the synthetic uh, up at Woodbine. So they scrapped that out and then went to the grade two Fort Lauderdale. And, and main event, you know, that horse, he got the win, but was by ahead and he had everything his own way up front. King Max came flying and, and got past Jerry the Nipper, who'd been in second the whole time and almost got up for the win. So second off the layoff could be interesting. And then Web Slinger, like. I like Web Slinger, but Web Slinger likes to finish second and third in these races. When there's a horse in there that's like, that is an international star, no, he doesn't win. When it's a horse that's like, that is a superb multiple grade one winner, no, he doesn't do it. You know, Far Bridge beats him, Program Trading beats him, you know, that that sort of thing happens. So I'm going to pass on Web Slinger to win. I think he's going to take a lot of money, and I think he is a great use in like second, third, fourth. Yeah, I, I think he hits the board. I, I think you have to look at what courses he's had success over, too. I mean, he ran very well at Churchill, was able to get the win there. He, he has one race here at Gulfstream against Lesser and was able to win. Um, and I thought his Twilight Derby was actually pretty good at Santa Anita. But none of those courses play like Gulfstream. You have to be so much more forwardly placed if horses are coming home quickly. And, and he was fortunate when he did win over this course that he faced a group you could come close in on. This is not a group you're going to be able to make a ton of ground up late. And that's, for me, one of the big reasons why Web Slinger was just he, again, I agree with you. Probably hits the board. Not going to put that horse on top. Um, King Max, I think, is interesting. You at least have some tactical speed there. Like I look through this. Who who do you think makes the lead in here? It's got to be main event, right? And then, what doesn't that mean that you know maybe Catnip goes and and that Warm Heart sits in that pocket spot around the first turn because Warm Heart is one of the fastest horses early as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's got she's got early speed. I think. Uh, the way it's set up, I think you could see the two Jerry the Nipper go because he's got that inside post and, and he was forwardly placed in Fort Lauderdale and the same jockey rides back and he's got a lot of other races too where he's done that. Uh, Atone is, uh, funny enough, it is projected to be right there with Jerry the Nipper right behind yeah. main event. Um, I That one I don't see. You kind of have to look at, I mean, he's got the Aqueduct race before he won the Pegasus Turf, but he won the Pegasus Turf from, you know, from mid-pack. And kind of, again, going to what you're saying, Mike, you need to be more forwardly placed when they're coming home fast at Gulfstream on the turf. And then the, the Pimlico, the dinner party race, like he tried going gate to wire and just couldn't hold on. So, yeah, that's, I, it sets up well for Warm Heart. And I like uh, tell you what, Austin, I will say uh, I definitely agree with you on this one, buddy. I don't care about the distance. This field just does not stack up to Warm Heart any way, shape or form. Yeah, the three to me was the other horse, Integration. And, and you know, Philip mentioning is, is, is Integration going to be too far back here? I don't know. Um, I, the pace is going to be really interesting. I think that's a big part of this, right? I, I agree. Atone and Jerry the Nipper, they've shown speed. They could show speed again. Main event, a logical horse who's going to be on the front. Like, it, Catnip has some speed from the outside as well. It, it, they... If I'm integration, I want them to go as fast as possible early because I think that's the best way for integration to set up for it. And uh, to me, this is your most likely winner here if you're talking about a horse that is that is not the nine, right? Uh, and integration really lightly raced, only three races, three for three lifetime, multiple graded stakes wins already. But we're jumping up to face older for the first time since this horse broke its maiden back at Colonial. So uh, the waters get a whole lot deeper. Um, I will say this. If you like the four at all, you got to love the three because uh, the three absolutely waxed the four last time out. So mm -hmm. it, it, to me, it's just it's the nine. And if you know, if you're in tournaments, you want to play a big try or big exact or big try here. I don't even blame you playing like nine, three or nine over three over 
six, something like that, if you're trying to, to move up the leaderboard in the Pegasus World Cup as well. Or the eight master space piece, uh, which, by the way, if you see it is listed under Sydney Dutro, that's Chip Dutro. That's Rick Dutro's brother. Um, Rick Dutro is uh, he hasn't applied for his Florida trainer's license yet. So they just shipped the horse. To, they just transferred it over to Chip. So it's still a Rick Dutro horse and Rick Dutro off of a longer layoff into a big grade one race. Uh, we've seen White Barrio do it from time to time. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's, you know. That's something to consider as well. But Mark Elliott, before we move on, I did want to call this out. Integration is a beast. You know, running running sub five and a half, you know, last 16th, all three races. That's that's a horse with a whole bunch of giddy up. You just need to giddy up a little closer, a little earlier. Yeah, that's good. The, the question is going to be the trip, right? And and then the step up. I mean, <laughs> obviously, jumping up from from running grade twos and grade threes to running against Warm Heart is uh, quite the bit of step up in class. And the thing is, Warm Heart's going to be in front of integration. No, no whispers or ands or buts about it. So can you run down that class you have a horse when you're going to be up against it a little bit from a pace perspective? All right, this was a great discussion. And we've got one more race to discuss. It is time for what? You didn't say penultimate, did you? Yes, I did. Okay. All right. I missed it. I absolutely did. That'll be the penultimate time I miss it this time. It's time for the main event, Mike Summit. like there's been enough talk. It's time for the main event. That is race 13, the grade one Pegasus World Cup, and Aaron turned the loop back on. Damn it. Stop it. The grade one Pegasus World Cup, race 13 at Gulfstream Park. This is the main event here. We'll stop screwing around. 12 older horses plus Castle Chaos, LOL, routing a mile and an eighth on the dirt. You've got to decide. National Treasure, first mission. Who are you putting on top? Give me first mission. I'm going to go with the eight here. Uh, I am not a National Treasure guy unless National Treasure has everything to his to himself. He had that in the dirt mile. He had that in the Preakness. Those are clearly his best two races of his career. I don't think he has that today. Uh, and I think that makes a difference. I, I don't think National Treasure gets out front. And so I think you're in a seeing like a fourth type fifth type performance somewhere in there um so i'll i'll take uh, i'll take first mission on top i think is sitting uh sitting on a pretty big one here uh, i agree with you the uh, first mission is my top pick brad cox thinks that this is his horse of the year candidate uh and that's a big thing to say when you lost the last race to trademark so uh, an interesting move there but and i'm not poo-pooing on trademark that was a good effort from both of those horses but first mission just feels like he is set up to have a big year. Uh, we talked about it last week when we covered fairgrounds. It's like you said, you were trying to play against Saudi crown. One of your things was, why is he here when the Pegasus is next week and they're going to Saudi? And I said, because he has first mission for the Pegasus. This is his horse. This is the big dog in the Brad Cox barn. This is true. Brad Cox does love every horse he trains. But that is I, for me, it's just one of those things where we've had this feeling for a while since he won the Lexington First mission is just, he's just special. There's something about this horse. When you watch him run, you're like, that that horse, when he gets just a little bit older, man, he is going to be, hopefully, a beast. So we both have him on top. Yes, we do. Um, and I actually put the five trademark in second. Funny you mentioned that. Uh, I'm going to take a little <laughs> bit of a shot here, 15 to 1. Look, that last race in the Clark was really good. That's the, one of the big selling points to me. Uh, also ran well four back at Monmouth, going the mile and the 16th distance. We're stretching out today, obviously, going the mile and eighth. But that's what the uh, the Clark was run at this is a horse who has tactical speed but can also come from behind and so i like the fact that we are sitting in one of these spots where there's multiple ways for trademark to be able to win but he's not going to be way out the back you're either going to be sitting there in fourth or fifth or you're going to be sitting there in eighth or ninth either way you're going to be able to make a run and 
just need to really replicate that last race. And I think he's as good as anybody in here and you're getting a 15 to one price tag on it. So one of the uh, one of the things for trademark that his trainer Vicky Oliver said uh, actually earlier today is that her horses generally just run terribly at Gulfstream, especially on the dirt. And she wasn't sure why that is, she, she, which is a, a weird anomaly when you've got uh, a barn that can click at 11% overall. But she's 0 for 4 in the last year at Gulfstream with just one horse even hitting the board. She did send uh, trademark in the day after his final work, which so uh, he's been there since Sunday, trying to get acclimated to it. I do genuinely like this horse. He is a hard competitor. Other than the grade two Fayette, you know, he's shown up every single time on dirt this year, especially in the fall. He's been building towards a big, uh, you know, kind of race here in the Pegasus. But then I looked at the grade two Fayette and I was like, man, I he that was when he faced. I thought other than last time out in the Clark, I was like, he, that was he really faced some solid horses there. And Il Miracolo got him. Speed Bias got him. O'Connor won. And O'Connor is not bad. And, and we'll talk about him in a second. But I couldn't get over the grade two Fayette when I thought that he really had it kind of every chance and just ran like crap. And that was when he was at a spot at Keeneland where he hasn't run well before multiple times. And then Vicky Oliver's talking about, well, my horses don't really run well at Gulfstream Park on the dirt. So he's a nice horse. I like him underneath. I just don't like him to win. Yeah, I, I mean, I, look, the the Fayette was so bad. I don't even care. Like, there's when you have that's true. Races, it's just like, nope, that horse just sucked today. But every other race around it shows you the horse is a good horse. That's the one I'm crossing off. Not, I'm not going to cross off one of the victories. I'm going to cross off the the one anomaly effort, right? And you've got four efforts in there, three very good, one not so good, and it was laughably bad as well. It's not like it was like, oh, the horse ran okay but it just couldn't quite get it done. No, it was just a laughably bad effort. So those are those are ones that I think are pretty easy to just draw a line through. As far as Ricky Oliver and a horse is not running well at Gulfstream Park, nah, we'll see what happens. Trainers lie, man. Yeah. Like, like, well, and, and he's never been here, so it's like no. she so even said, like, but you don't know how he's going to do it. He's never run here, and I'm not saying yeah. it has to be a reason why you don't use him. It's just a little interesting. And it's funny because like even the Keeneland thing, it's like, well, yeah, but he also ran a 93 buyer winning $125,000 optional allowance at Keeneland too. So like... He's shown up at Keeneland before too, as well, and so it's 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 just interesting when you have these good races and bad races. Um, that was October twentieth, two thousand. He did. Thank you. I missed that one. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Yep. So you have a really good race too. So it's like okay, you know, some of these horses just show up on some days and run better than others. And trademarks one of those where on his good days, I think he's as good as anybody in this field. Um, for me, third horse in, I've used O'Connor, the two horse. Um. This is a horse that likes Gulfstream, five, two for five at Gulfstream, two for five at the distance. I thought was very good in the Harlan's Holiday last time out. Looks good in the Fayette there at Keeneland that we've talked about a little bit as well. You know, the distance isn't a problem. This horse likes to show up, especially here at Gulfstream Park and run a big number. I, I like the trip again here. Like, I, I think you're going to see quite a bit of early speed. I don't think National Treasure is going to get to the lead. And if National Treasure doesn't get to the lead because you've got other horses out there, it means that this thing is going to be, be hyped up a little bit. And that sets up well for someone like O'Connor who can sit mid-pack. Mid yeah, a, a nice horse, and I, was, I like to see him here. I didn't like, uh, you know, I have Skippy Longstocking over O'Connor here, and one of the reasons is Tyler Gaffleone's been aboard both the horses in the last two races, won both races on O'Connor, including the Harlan's Holiday, which is the local prep for this race, and he decided to stay with Skippy Longstocking. Um, O'Connor's he's a good horse, and it makes sense that he's here, but he's a he's a grade two horse. He's going to show up. You know, he wins the Fayette. He wins the grade three Harlan's Holiday. You know, he runs really well in the Charlestown Classic behind Skippy Longstocking. I think there's just there's too much in here that's going to be better than him. But you got Paco who's going to play Paco ball in a three million dollar grade one race when this horse is trying to come from mid pack. So you at least have that on your side. Yeah, you never know who's going to punch. 
<laughs> Still one of my favorite moments. You didn't know what Mike's talking about. Uh, Paco and Irad got into it uh, on the racetrack. Paco was mad at Irad like we all tend to get sometimes when he just bullies a horse out of the way to go win. And literally on the, the, the scales, Paco just really just cold cocks him right in the face. There's a beautiful uh, screen grab of somebody got of that one. Anyways, if, if you ever get mad at Irad for losing you a ticket or, or knocking you out of something or giving a bad ride, just go look at that image for a few seconds. It Trust me, it makes you feel a lot better. Uh, I went too deep here. You can call me a chalky eating weasel, but it's partly why I'm playing a dollar ticket for 80 bucks. I'm going to use National Treasure here. Eesh. And for, first mission to me is the best horse overall. I think he has the best chance of winning. National Treasure has Bob Baffert. He's run what four or five straight bu- four straight bullets uh, over at Santa Anita. Just is absolutely bringing fire, including 46 and four in his final work for this spot. And you have Flavian Pratt. And if you remember the Breeders' Cup Classic, Arabian Nights were all the way out in post 12. And it's like, ah, there's some speed. I don't know if he's going to get over there. What did Pratt do? He yep. said, this is a quarter horse race. And he had the lead by a good length before the, anybody else like had even like figured out, oh, shit, we're supposed to be racing right now. National Treasure wins when he is put to the lead and when he is wearing blinkers. And since Bob finally stopped screwing around with the stupid blinker experiment, and since he switched to Pratt, who you know is going to send him when Johnny V can be a little lazy sometimes, Flavian Pratt on a speed horse that he know you know he's going to send. It's Baffert having this horse absolutely juiced up and ready to run, and he's got the blinkers on. Now, sometimes you just see a horse like National Treasure get on the lead, like in the Preakness stakes where... It's like, oh, yeah, Mage is going to get this horse, no problem. And then he just kept going, and he just kept going, and he just kept going. There's no Archangelo in this race. There's no Forte, no Tapatrice. He's not trying to go a mile and a half. If this was a mile and a 16th, this would be my top pick because at Gulfstream, that definitely favors speed horses. I think he is dangerous enough with those workouts and with the jockey and with the blinkers on, you've got to use him on the ticket. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to. I'm not going to. Because, uh, you know, Rodney, if I'm, I'm chucking someone. We're not defensively using the horse here. We're going to leave him off. I don't think National Treasure wins. I just I just don't. If anyone goes with National Treasure. Who's y'all? I haven't talked shit once about National Treasure. Dude. Rodney gets a little Rodney gets a little well, bit of a you, bee up his booty when he, when you ever anybody talks about a race that he has a horse that he loves. And if you don't mention that horse immediately and slobber on it like Rodney does, he gets very offended. So just just relax. Just calm down. Like I told you on YouTube. Just breathe. Just breathe. It'll be okay, buddy. Yeah, I, I, I don't love the idea of using both National Treasure and First Mission. So for me, it was picking between the two because I do think they're going to take the uh, the mass majority of the money here. So I took First Mission there. Uh, I used O'Connor. We already talked about that. Used me some trademark. Last horse on for me was Grand Aspen here. I went to the nine horse who ran second to O'Connor last time, was forwardly placed and ended up not being able to get the job done. You go back to the mile and eighth race at Churchill. I thought that was a very good race. Now we're getting second off there. This is Todd Pletcher. It's Jose Ortiz. This is a horse who I think will be forwardly placed, if not on the lead. I think this is one of the ones that could cost National Treasure the chance to get the W here because I think that Grant Aspen's going to absolutely send as well. And with Dynamic One and uh, his brother on a dead closer, I wouldn't be right. shocked if Grant Aspen is told, go and just go and just go and do not let National Treasure get an easy lead. So I think Grant Aspen has a shot to take this field gate to wire. I don't, I don't think he can go gate to wire, but I think he is interesting, and I don't think he needs the lead, right? Like You've seen him run well, uh, win multiple races from a little bit off. Let me ask you about the Harlan's Holiday, because I, like I said, I watched that for O'Connor to see how he did in that spot, too. And uh, Grand Aspen had the lead. Do you think it was like the mile on the 16th? Did that catch him? Like What, what was the reason for him kind of not being good enough to stay with O'Connor, who you are using? 
Yeah, I mean, I I think he just got out finished. I, I just it was that simple. He was not the best horse that day. I, I think that the added distance means that you're going to go a little bit slower up front, which could be a good thing for Grand Aspen. Um, and we haven't mentioned Hoist the Gold either, uh, who obviously is going to go to the I was game. trying not to. I was trying yeah, so hard not to talk we, about him. We all hate Hoist the Gold. I, I think we both dislike horse, Hoist the Gold. Not in a, like a hate, oh, no, I want something bad to happen to the horse, as in I don't get Hoist the Gold right ever, so I don't really want Hoist the Gold in races. Uh, but in this spot, Hoist the Gold is probably going to go to the lead as well. And so it's like... Okay, if the four and the seven go, maybe the nine can sit right behind and be able to get a really nice trip. If the four and seven don't go, the nine has a shot at being being speed and being tactical here. I don't think Skippy Longstocking goes. Uh, mm. I know Nick mentioned that. Uh, Skippy Longstocking from that post is going to try and stock. Going to try and sit like yeah. the, the Florida Derby S trip that he had where he's sitting fourth, fifth, sixth, somewhere in there versus trying to be more forwardly placed. So I, I would expect that it's really going to come down to the four, the seven, and the nine. And... I like the fact that I get outside speed in this position because if the four and seven go, the nine tucks. If they don't go, the nine goes. The seven to me, National Treasure, is just in a world of hurt with the the inside and outside speed around him. Yeah, usually Baffert bitches when his horses draw the rail at, at Sandy Anita, which happens quite a lot because it's you know it's five horse field, so you got a twenty percent chance of drawing it. Bob, start to learn math, but Skippy Longstocking, I think, is going to be in a great position to stock, and I think it he's going to have a better trip here than he did in the Breers Cup Dirt Mile when he kind of did all of the early work, applying pressure to National Treasure. He chased National Treasure through fractions way too fast for Skippy to go, and Skippy's not a mile horse. And so, you know, you see that he faded and was three and three quarter lengths behind National Treasure. But if you have horses in here that are going to apply a pressure to National Treasure, if you think National Treasure is going to get pressured on the front or it's going to be a big speed duel, I think that it really benefits a horse like Skippy Longstocking, who I agree with you, is going to kind of take back and just stalk a little bit. Yeah. And so it, it, the pace is going to be just wildly interesting in this race. Because I, like, I will say this. If the seven's loose, I think the seven wins. I just don't think the seven gets loose. You know, I don't think National Treasure gets the trip that he wants, and he's been able to have that trip in his two best races of his career. Dr. Marina says she picked Hoist the Gold to win, and she has a text saying that if Hoist the Gold wins, she gets to take over Jared's position at the racing dude. So, oh boy, I've got that to look forward to on Saturday as well. I could have a new boss. Hey, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just going <laughs> to. You sure? You sure you don't want to say anything? I'm good. I'm good. That's going to do this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for tuning in, and we really appreciate each and every one of you, even if I threw some shade at you. Really appreciate everybody for being part of this community and for the discourse and the discussion. If you've watched us a lot, you know that we're, like, it's horse racing. We're wrong more often than we are correct, and so we had people come on and, and hype up Art Collector last year, and we disagreed, and what happened? Art Collector went out and won, and those people got paid. So if you've got strong opinions, especially on a big card like this, uh, where there's going to be some heavy favorites. Don't be afraid to take some swings. With that being said, here's our tickets. We'll read them out loud for the audio listeners. I'll start. And remember, it's a dollar base for me. I'm going to go 1, 2, 3, 9, 10 with 2, 7, 9, 11 with 1, 12, single the 9, and finish up with 7, 8, $80 for me, Mr. Samich. I'm going to play a 50 cent ticket here. Give me the 1, 3, 10 with the 4, 8, 9 with the 1, 4, 11, 12 with 9 with 2, 5, Eight nine for fifty cents. It'll cost seventy two dollars. Uh, over at RacingDudes.com, we've got the betting bible for the Pegasus World Cup, featuring Aaron and Jared's exact plays for Saturday. So make sure you go check that out. Uh, full previews for the Pegasus World Cup and the World Cup turf here and on the YouTube channel. And Blinkers Off will be live later this evening to talk all things Pegasus, of course. So if you're not done talking about it, and I know I'm not, tune back in for Blinkers Off later this evening before we get out of here i know we're running a little bit over but mike you've got something very important that you wanted to discuss today 
So they announced the rules at Naira for the Belmont uh, for at Saratoga, and it is wildly frustrating. I don't know if anyone like so the two key rules that they took away from uh, from from this this meet this four day meet. First off, Magic, we want to talk about the ticket pricing. So I know you're not happy about the ticket pricing. Well, I just thought it was a joke, but yeah, go ahead. The whole thing's a joke. Anyway, you get ten bucks off, which is basically the cost of entry on Thursday if you want to buy the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday package. So it's ridiculous. You're not really getting any money. But two of like the staples. I've been going to Saratoga for forty years. Two of the staples. And I'm forty years old, so literally every year of my life at Saratoga that make it so unique are the picnic tables in the back and the fact you can bring your own cooler in and you're able to bring in food, booze, whatever you want into the racetrack so that you can actually go there with a family of four, family of five, whatever it is. In our case, a family of 20. And you run it in the morning, grab these picnic tables, and it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg to sit there and drink and have fun and hang out. And you can decide where you want your picnic tables to be. So you can take, for instance, our 96-year-old grandma can go to the racetrack because she can roll her wheelchair in because we get a table really close to the gate, right? There's ways you can do this for families. Well, with the Belmont, there is no running for tables, which is absolutely atrocious. Instead, you can enter a lottery and you can get one for free. They were free before. You just had to run for them and show up at six in the morning, which is like one of the coolest experiences you can do in horse racing. And oh, by the way, you can't bring in alcohol. So they, they made it. They completely priced people out because the alcohol there is like, and I laugh because people get all pissed off about it because it's like, $18 for a drink. It's like, yeah, but you can bring in beer for free. So why are you complaining about what it costs to buy a drink? Just show up with your booze and you're good. Uh, it is ridiculous that you're not, in this case, when you have all of these people given the opportunity to go see a new racetrack, right? And I realize, yeah, people know about Saratoga, but the Belmont brings a specific uniqueness to it. To not show your best self, to legitimately to sit in a meeting and be like, you know what, guys, let's take two of the things away from us that makes us super unique in the racing world. And let's do that on Belmont Day is absolutely and utterly ridiculous. Like, I, I cannot say how much it pissed me off to literally take away the picnic tables and be able to run for them and get your seat and not letting you bring booze in because you're just you're just literally pricing people out and not showing your best foot. It just it pisses me off so much that this is what we're doing for the Belmont. Nothing says, come support our special four-day meet that's hours away from where everybody in the industry is based, like saying, while you come over here, we're just going to make it as miserable as possible. I mean, if you've played Saratoga uh, like a full card and you're betting every race, you need alcohol because at some point you just are so wrong or get screwed out of something or as Rodney was talking about, the stewards do their inconsistency thing. You just want to drink and they're just making it not possible yeah it's just it's so it's so dumb it's so dumb. hotel rooms are already ridiculously expensive it's going to be a mess for saratoga to put this on because they a lot of people who work at saratoga racetrack who sell programs who are the ticket people that write, write tickets behind the counter who sell concessions that's their summer job that's usually from mid-july to end of august so to try and get all of these people there for a weekend to do this is also going to be an absolute train wreck from a naira perspective and the thing is is like people said oh i doubt saratoga had much to say about it Naira is the one who makes the rules for both of these tracks. And they specifically yep. cited, well, the reason we're doing this is because it's it's a Belmont race. We were going to adopt Belmont's rules for these four days. And it's just like, why? Why are we taking the fun stuff away when we don't have to? Because we don't have to, guys. We could just make this fun. Do you know how cool it would be to be there in the morning at 5 a.m. outside Saratoga's gates with a triple crown on the line and you're about to rush in with 
probably 2,000 other people that love horse racing and then watch yep. every Belmont at your picnic table that you ran for while you're waiting for your family to come in. They're bringing coolers with booze and with food and like that's all gone. That's all gone. It's just, yeah. I don't think people realize how many family reunions and things like that happen at this racetrack where you need three tables. Well, now you're in a lottery. The likelihood of one family getting three picnic tables is like zero. So instead of having an opportunity to have a family reunion at the racetrack and run and, and get those tables in the backstretch, that's taken away from it. Like, it's just, it, it's just a real shame that Naira decided to make these rules. And then I'm reading this article on Blood Horse talking about it, like their argument, Naira's argument for why this is okay is because it's the standard on-track policy protocol at belmont park you're not at fucking belmont park you're at saratoga like why is this a thing it's so stupid yeah, yeah and i anyways. honestly i don't even care about the distance change like to me look the triple crown everyone complains when it doesn't get changed and then everyone complains when it does get changed it needs to be spread out it needs to be shrunk nobody's winning the triple year. crown this year anyway Can't be low, right like look have just give me the best horses in three races i'm happy if it if they're all a mile yeah. and a quarter so be it that's fine. Like, you know, like to me, I'm, I'm not as upset about that. For me, what, what pisses me off is when you have something great and you intentionally water it down for absolutely no reason. It's just it's just dumb, especially with a sport that needs to accentuate the positives and the good things out there. And you're taking away the good things, some of the good things. There's still other good things about Saratoga. But why would you go to the Belmont now and not go to a Saratoga weekend? It makes like, why in the world would you do that? It costs so much more money to go to the Belmont. You can go and run for tables. You can bring your own booze. You can do like, what's, why would you go to this festival now? You're not saving money on tickets. It's 50 bucks to go to the Belmont. And then you have to win a lottery to be able to get a, a seat. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous that they would take this stance. We, we had this same when I worked in minor league baseball and granted it's minor league baseball, but like the whole point is to get butts in seats, uh, hotel heads in beds, get people in there and they will spend money. Give them opportunities to spend money. If you make it seem like it's a good deal they're getting to go, they're going to be a lot more apt to bet, to buy, to drink, to eat. Like lots of that is going to happen. Think about, uh, we talk about with the, uh, the tracks that lower their, their takeout, like if you get more of a churn going, people are going to churn more with you. That's what's going to happen. So, yeah, it's yeah, I mean, I it's, it's, it's horse racing. It goes into the takeout discussion when you talk about churn and needing to like. There's a bunch of different aspects of it. This is something that's scary for me because Kevin's right. They have been talking about this for a while. That this could possibly be a test run for the no alcohol rule at the Saratoga meet. Um, Saratoga is one of the only racetracks that you can bring alcohol in without sneaking it in. I mean, let's be honest. You just throw some. <laughs> Some captain in some coke bottles or you throw some you know you throw some rum and some water bottles whatever there's ways around this i'm not you know yeah. i'm not crazy but it's nice when you don't have to worry about it um i i am concerned that it's a test run that at some point they just decide you know what we're not going to deal with it you know yeah well we're happy you dealed with us and with the uh all of us kind of ranting about this we all agree it's pretty stupid and hey guess what it's horse racing this is uh that could be the last time we ever say this, unfortunately. But it was definitely not stupid of you to spend the last hour and 10 minutes with us. We greatly appreciate it. We're going to get out of here so that you can take a little bit of a break and get ready for Blinkers Off with Aaron and Jared later. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Curtis Kellowart. He is at Summerbomb18, number one, number eight. Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. Check out the inside. That, that's the old title. The betting Bible for the Pegasus World Cup over at RacingDudes.com. It is up and available. Well, pre-sales on. I don't know if it's actually available right now. I haven't checked my email. But it should be available quite soon. Any final words before we get out of here, Mike? Let's have a weekend, baby. Let's go. 
Let's have a good time. Till next time, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Live show Saturday. See you then. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb. Because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.